Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Hailing Frequencies Open. My name is David and I'm joined once again by Carrie and Mel today. Hello ladies. Hello. This week we are going to talk about an episode that exists. It is called <laughs> Where Silence Has Beasts. Yes, this I, does exist. I, I say that it, it exists because as you David will find... Later. No, but as you will find, this episode is just kind of here. Mm-hmm. It's but weird. It is a little weird. So we start off, um, the Enterprise is on a charting mission in, Mor- in the Morgana Quadrant. There's a brief conversation between Picard and Troy on the bridge because Riker is having an excursion with Worf. And by excursion, he's in one Worf's training program inside the holodeck. They're walking yeah, around. But we don't know that. No. I actually think that this was done pretty well. I like it was this a bit. Split. Mm-hmm. This is the but best Picard bit. Is, Picard is very, very worried. Troy so... is picking up on how worried he is. <laughs> and we, and then they show Worf and Riker and we're like, holy crap, what happened to these two fools? Are they on a secret mission? Did they become five? Are they going to be killed? What is going on? So they get attacked by a creature in an outfit and then by Skeletor, who... <laughs> a creature um, in an outfit. Yes! Skeletor. So Skeletor. So Skeletor attacks Worf, and um, it's wait, a creature in a what? I know that there. Are, most of the people who are watching this are are probably our age, maybe a few years younger. But for those who are way younger, Skeletor is the main villain in a cartoon show and movie called He Man. Master He-Man of the Universe. Masters of the Universe was the movie. He-Man was the cartoon. It came out in the 80s. It was huge. It had a spinoff starring his cousin named She-Ra. And it was just rebooted on Netflix. I haven't actually had a chance to watch it yet. But um, I've only heard good things about it. He-Man was a staple for anybody who was a kid in the 80s. You watched it. Everybody watched He-Man. Oh, yes. I wanted Um, to be She-Ra. Yeah. I remember that. So uh, Skeletor was his nemesis. So... They tussle for a while. Um, Riker gets knocked down. He finally manages to get back up and help and be able to defeat his guy. Uh, Worf executes Skeletor on the floor. However, he is now energized by Klingon bloodlust. And he Mm -hmm. turns and he is going to beat Riker to death. (laughs) And Riker does about the only thing he can do, which is say... um, at ease, Lieutenant, like very loudly and very forcefully. Screaming. Because Screaming Riker, Riker, like, please don't kill me. Because Riker knows it's over if Worf gets to him. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, Worf comes out of it. Uh, Riker asks if all his workout programs are like this, and Worf says, no, they're more intense than this. However, the experience is too personal to be shared. I wonder. Oh, oh, I, no. oh, I don't wonder. It's I fight some people and at the end I get multiple Klingon women. I'm assuming it's something like that. It's yeah. like a reward. I never yeah. see David is always going to take it there. I never <laughs> thought of it that way. I just thought that the experience and the, the savagery of killing um, would be too personal for him to share, especially with a non-Klingon. For sure. Right. If, yeah. If we're, if we're going to take it how it actually is, I totally get that. And that's exactly how mm-hmm. it would be viewed to me, especially as we get to know 
know him later, it's definitely there's there's, there's layers. There's layers. There's layers to war. Yeah, he has a lot of although data is my favorite, Worf probably in a lot of ways has the biggest character arc. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. he uh, there's a lot of um inner struggle, inner uh, he doesn't necessarily dislike or hate his his human parents who raised him, his adoptive parents or his Klingon. He just can't it's very difficult to reconcile them. Mm-hmm. And I think there are pieces of him of both of those things that he doesn't necessarily like, but he can't necessarily because he doesn't it's hard to explain. He doesn't doesn't like them but it's not because he doesn't want to like them it's just I think that if he had another Klingon like if he had a brother or a sister who he was raised with and would be would have been able to lean on it would have been less self-conscious about his Klingon I think he overcompensates his Klingon stuff because oh, for he's sure. yeah. human and then he tries to under humanness um when he overcompensates for his Klingonness but he clearly when we actually get to meet his parents who are great he clearly loves his parents um um, he's just afraid to really show both sides of himself, I think. Yeah. And we get that a lot through the rest of the series. I love Worf. <laughs> but at this point, that is not knowledge we have earned because they haven't they haven't built him to there yet. So at this point, he's kind of no. He's kind of one note I stab you type yeah, of these- guy. This is really like the beginning of trying to understand him and too. just Klingons in general. I thought that too until they butchered it later. Um, yeah. Anyway, so Riker's confused. Uh, Orth looks at him and goes, are you coming? And off they go. Uh, we're now on the bridge. Um, Data detects an unusual reading from his station. An area of total blackness, seemingly devoid of space, matter, or energy. It's like a hole in space. I love this because Picard is squinting at the screen. He's like, where? I don't see it. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm just (laughs) like... like, Magnify! And I'm just like... Um, like, what is he doing? so, So Picard orders a probe to be launched into it. So off the probe goes... As soon as the probe goes into the void, it vanishes. Um, Worf is alarmed and immediately recommends raising shields. Mm-hmm. Picard asks a very logical question. Why? Worf, now embarrassed. Like, never mind. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes the fact that I mute myself is, is good. Because I think that is what I just yelled out. Um, it would have been a bit to edit out. Maybe. Um, David, it's my favorite thing to call people. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, Worf takes it back. However, he does tell the story of an old Klingon legend about a space creature that devours entire vessels. This is an interesting story, and I really, really wanted to hear all of it. We don't get to. Um, Aww. He kind of realizes he's being dumb. And then Picard says, let's launch the ultimate probe, class one. Send it in. Be honest, he's not being dumb. Who's not being dumb? He's being superstitious. He's being superstitious, but he's not being dumb. No, no, but he kind of gets that look on his face like he's kind of sheepish feeling now. And he, yeah. Um, Picard launches the last one probe, it also vanishes uh, much faster than before. Um, Ensign Crusher is. Figures that, that he can figure out the determ- he determines the boundaries of the anomaly. Of course he can't. And he goes, if he's Wesley. Go. He then makes a stupid decision and says, but I can bring the ship closer. Why? 
Okay. Wesley, <laughs> we know you're smart. Stop trying to sacrifice the ship, okay? You've done that plenty of times in season one, okay? <laughs> so they move closer. They're chit-chatting some more, and then all of a sudden, they are inside the blackness. Thanks a lot, Wesley. Yeah, Wesley. Um, <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. If Wesley, if you... If, yeah. if Wesley wants the credit for when he saves the ship, he's also getting the credit for when he endangers it unnecessarily. Yeah! Uh, of course! Data decides... So this is a very Data light episode in a way. Data tries to scan the surrounding area. However, there's nothing to see. Um, Picard decides that they're going to proceed to the mission. And orders Crusher out of the void, back the way they came. Uh, however, they t- so this doesn't really do anything. Um, so they drop a beacon. And you hear, bing, 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 as they're flying further and further away from it. And then it comes back into full voice. Bing, bing. So they essentially just went in a straight line and ended back where they started. Yep. And then for some reason, Pulaski shows up. That's where we're going. Yeah. Um, but not quite yet. So Picard, Picard orders a full stop. Uh, suddenly, a Romulan warbird decloaks. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Riker joins Warwick Tactical. Um, now they bring the ship to red alert, ordering the photon torpedoes armed. Picard, because he's the captain, orders them to hold for his order as he sits down in the chair. Wesley spots the ship decloaking. The warbird fires on them. The Enterprise takes a direct hit, which really hit weakens their shields. Um, Picard warns the other ship that they'll return fire. Uh when the message is transmitted, Worf informs, says they've armed another spread. Uh, Picard says, shoot him, <laughs> essentially. So he does, and the ship explodes. This is the most anticlimactic space battle ever, because it's just like, wait, what? It was too easy. Way too easy. Um, Picard says that, as a matter of fact. Um, Data also notes that there's no debris. Mm-hmm. Then there's another ship that appears on the sensors. This time, it is their sister ship, the Yamato. Which looks exactly the same. Sure does. And we'll hear more about this ship later. Mm-hmm. They hail this vessel, but there's no response. And sensors have also detected no life. Riker goes, let me send an away team over. And Parkard's like, oh, okay. But a minimal team. So it's Riker, it's the Riker and Wharf show. So off they go. Um O'Brien There's is back. Top movie waiting to happen. Right? O'Brien mm-hmm. is back uh as the as the transporter chief for the first time since the greatest transporter work. chief to ever transporter chief. <laughs> <laughs> so, Miles Edward O'Brien, all hail. So hail. He beams them over. Um, however, when they reappear, 
they're like, oh, we should be beamed onto the bridge. They don't beam onto the bridge. They beam into dark corridors. And they're not together. So Riker is looking around and he hears Worf scream. So he goes running to find him and then Worf almost shoots him with a phaser. <laughs> he just really wants to kill Riker in this right? <laughs> Okay, let's be honest. They're running through dark corridors with their phasers out. If you're running through a dark corridor towards your um, commanding officer, you would be ready to shoot whoever you think is trying to kill him. Oh, for sure. For sure, so. yeah. Um, so while they're wandering about, they realize that the ship doesn't really make any sense. Uh, they do reach the bridge, and there's apparently several of them, because you open a door and look, there's another bridge. Um, when you walk through a door, they wind up not where they expected. Um, Worf this is when they start getting some of the Klingon stuff a little backwards. Uh, he kind of freaks out. He kind of does. And he begins to lose his temper, temper. He's just like, one Riker, one bridge, one bridge. This is not how he would have, this is not how Klingons would have handled this situation. But maybe a human. Maybe. But mm. um, However, the human is the one who's just like, relax, it's cool. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, we cut back to the bridge. Ensign has left. Ensign Crusher has left for some reason and been replaced by Ensign Haskell. Okay. Poor Ensign Haskell. Or I should say, Crusher has been replaced for story reasons by Ensign Haskell. <laughs> or you could just say in Star Trek fandom nomenclature, Wesley was replaced by a red shirt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, it's true. It's true. He announces that the Enterprise detects a gap when they can see stars. Um, but Picard won't leave without the away team. Uh, the star fix starts to fade. Suddenly, the Yamoto starts to vanish as well. Picard orders O'Brien to beam them back. Uh, it's a little dicey for a while because for whatever reason he can't get his lock and then he finally does and just in time, here they are. <laughs> Riker comes to the bridge. He's kind of upset. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and by kind of, I mean, he's about as upset as he as Riker gets. Um, he's had enough and they said, let's put all this technology to work and get the hell out of here. The captain's uh, like, Okay. Another, another star fix soon appears. Uh, Picard's very happy and he orders Ensign Haskell to set a course towards it. But as soon as they do, it just closes. And then another one opens and then it closes and then all over and over. Then eventually Picard ignores it because he's a because it bothers him. Haskell observes and he seems that the, the latest one is closer than all the others. Picard's like, yeah, not gonna worry about it. Uh, Dr. Pulaski is on the bridge now, and 
makes some very derogatory statements to Dative because, of course, she does. And um, she stands there because Picard like wanders off for some reason. And she goes, okay, magnification 100. Magnification 100,000. Magnification a million. Great. So she is magnified a million times blackness. Why is this bitch <laughs> on the bridge? <laughs> For um, one reason only. Mm-hmm. To be a bitch. She's really so, not She makes a comment that the crew is being treated like rats in a maze. Troy no, no, find- no, 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 no. We're not skipping. We're not skipping. What are we not skipping? We're not skipping over her turning around and looking at Picard and saying, does this thing know what it's referring to data as a thing? And then Picard having to shut her up and say, yes, he does know what he's doing. And then her trying to apologize and just taking her big old foot and sticking it farther down her throat than is humanly possible. She should not have been able to talk. She should have had to emergency dissect her throat with all of the BS she was spouting in this one scene. There was no her to be on the bridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still not sure I cannot sure believe we are only two episodes into this bitch. I have to listen. Oh my God. Only got twenty to go. Um, I may not survive it. I well. <laughs> um, you know what? After we get to measure of a man, I might call it a day. <laughs> <laughs> might give up. <laughs> then you won't hear hear from Mel again until I announce. Welcome to season three. Pressure's <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> back. Exactly, and I'll be like, "Pressure's alive. Not. Everyone's happy." Um. Yeah. All is right so, in the universe. <laughs> Troy says she sends a vast intelligence. Um, so vast it eluded her. Right. Uh, Picard goes, all right, well, we're just not going to do anything. A weird, funky, disjointed face appears. Um, its name is Nagilam. It immediately is curious about Pulaski's construction and how it differs from other people on the bridge. Pulaski explains that she and Troy are female and the others are male. And, you know, it needs to be this way for the species to continue going. And Nagilam immediately goes, that sounds really interesting and I understand. Please demonstrate for me. Hell no. I would just like to point out that whatever the alien's name is, um, I could have watched whatever it was doing to Pulaski on a loop. Like I can watch <laughs> it on loop for the rest of my life because it was brilliant. I yeah, because he it. does possess Pulaski yeah. and make her do weird jerky maneuvers all around the bridge. It was great. Slams he her up against her. the wall. He should have killed her instead of... Yeah. So Pulaski says absolutely not. They will not just demonstrate human mating rituals. Um, First of all, nobody wants to demonstrate human mating rituals with Pulaski. um, (laughs) No. No. Nagilam then inquires about humans and our limited existence. 
And he goes, you know, you exist and then you cease to. You call it death. Um, suddenly, Haskell begins to shake violently. He grabs him, his face, falls to the floor, screaming, uh, and in the fetal position. And when Pulaski gets to him, he's very dead. Yep. Very, very dead. He, Nagilam watches his victim die, and he's just like, how interesting. Pulaski, even though she doesn't need one, confirms with her tricorder that he is in fact dead. Picard declares, we cannot allow you to do that. We will fight you. Uh, my problem with this statement it is, is very evident that doesn't matter if you fight him. He literally could just kill all of you and not care. <laughs> we'll fight you. Okay. Yeah, but you gotta say it. Oh, for sure. You gotta see it. Nagilam replies that in order to understand death, he needs to observe every kind of dying and says that it shouldn't cost more than a third of the crew, possibly half. Really? Because there's uh, a lot of ways to die. And there's what, 1,100 people on the ship? Oh, it's five. So he'll get to watch 550 people die in different ways. I imagine fire is going to be back as a way of dying, which that's not going to be fun. No. Um, Picard and the rest of the bridge are kind of don't really have a retort to this, which is probably the appropriate response. Because you've said the thing you wanted to say, we can't let you do this, we'll fight you. But knowing full well that there's nothing you can do, what, how are you going to respond with, I'm going to kill up to half of your crew? No, you won't. It's like, well, I mean, he can. <laughs> like, fine. Not half. All. <laughs> now, this next scene doesn't make any sense. So Picard calls a staff meeting in the observation lounge um, where they have a discussion about what to do. My question is, why is Nagilam not murdering crew members at this point? Right? He, why didn't he just start? Yeah. It seems he, like he's waiting he for it. them to give him permission. Yeah, it, it feels like that. It feels like, okay, since I did one, maybe now I can do some more and they won't notice. <laughs> right? So there's a conversation in the Ops Lounge. They decide to initiate the ship's auto-destruct rather than allow the entity to perform any more experiments on them and slaughter more of the crew. Again, this should have been happening now. Like, if that's really what he was interested in doing, he wouldn't have stopped at just one person. He would have just kept going. Yeah. Um. In engineering, Picard and Riker set the sequence um, for 20 minutes. Riker thinks it's a nice round number for the Enterprise compliment to prepare for death. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why it has to be a round number. <laughs> really, 19 minutes, 20, like, whatever. <laughs> honestly, I'd be going down to sick bay to get some uh, hypo sprays knock myself out 
<laughs> and then you know, I'm gonna have a human. 20 minute nap, baby. Yeah. Um, that's, just the, that's just the human, you know, round number. That's just a human thing. But I think what it is really, like in all actuality, it's enough time to get from wherever you are, wherever your duty station is, to your quarters or to wherever you want to spend your last. So if you're a family, say you're a family and you have a parent in engineering and a parent in botany, those are two different places on the ship. And then you have to go get your kids who are in school and then you have to go to your quarters, which is a completely different place on the ship. So the 20 minutes gives the parents enough time to get their kids and then get to their quarters and, ha you know, be together. Now, some people are going to go get a hypo spray. Some people are going to go get one last drink in 10 forward. Some people are going to try to order their favorite meal as their favorite food as a last meal. Some people are going to stay at their duty station because that's all they got. Riker would be heading to the holodeck for his favorite program. I actually don't think that's what Riker, well, technically Riker can't. He has to stay on the bridge. True, I honestly but think if he could. that if all the crew got to do what they wanted, I think Riker and Troy would be together. Yeah. All, all Riker would do in the last minutes was set mood lighting in the, on the bridge. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he would set mood lighting, and then the song of choice would be "Careless Whisper" by Wham. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> I'm not implying that. Like, he move is... it, Captain. We're going to use your chair. <laughs> you. No. I mean, hopefully that they have. Might hopefully they the have alien. a dry cleaner on board. That might actually stop the alien from killing people because he would get a demonstration. Of the mating ritual. See? Yeah, everybody should just start doing that. <laughs> so, Picard, we cut to Picard. He's already in his, in his room listening to some classical music. Um, As you do. Uh, Data and Troy then come and visit him. Data makes sense on a certain level. Troy, not so much. Um they have a very interesting conversation where they talk about where data goes. I don't understand, you know, death and, you know, things like that. Okay. I, I, I can go with it. Uh, Troy though, is the way, the way this sequence goes for her, isn't nearly as interesting. Cause it's just like, what? <laughs> like, Picard after a little while realizes that they're just Nagilam. Mm -hmm. trying to trick him into aborting the self-destruct, which I find interesting that Nagilam can do all of these things. However, he can't turn the self-destruct off. Right? He's, he almost seems like a Q, but not really a Q. Like the next he, step he took down? The form, yeah, he took the form of Data and, and Troy. So why can't he do the self-destruct turn that off so at this point before he leaves uh all of a sudden you can see stars outside picard stars goes to the everywhere. bridge uh, making sure that they're free um 
he takes his sweet time turning the countdown off because he wants to make absolutely certain that they're free. So with seconds to spare, as is the trope, he orders it to turn off the self-destruct in the computer, goes, does the first officer concur? And Riker then spits out a whole bunch of words. (laughs) He's just like, yes, absolutely. I do indeed concur wholeheartedly. You could have just said yes. (laughs) Um, The sequence stops. Um, Picard actually tells Riker this. He goes, you know, a simple yes would have worked just fine. Um, Riker makes the comment that he didn't want the ship to misunderstand him. I don't think it would. Right? Picard goes... As long as you don't mumble. Right? (laughs) Picard goes to his ready room and hopes that Nagilam got what he wanted. Suddenly, the weird face reappears. And he says he got much more than what he needed. Nagilam reported his conclusions to Picard. He says, humans find no tranquility in anything. You struggle against the inevitable. You thrive on conflict. You are rash, quick to judge, slow to change. It's amazing you survived as a species. We have no common ground. You are too aggressive. Here's the thing. He's not wrong. I was just going to say, he's pretty spot on about all of that. No. When he said um, he's surprised that the species is still around, so am I. (laughs) And I'm not even talking about in Star Trek in their timeline. I'm talking about right now in 2021. I'm surprised that we are still here. We haven't blown ourselves up. Mm -hmm. Carr doesn't argue with him, but he does point out that they have one trait in common. Uh, And Nikki then goes, oh... And Picard says, curiosity. McGillum chuckles and he says, perhaps you're right. Picard also says they may meet again, but that, but that next time it will be out among the stars. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> what he you're, means is... You're already... Because <laughs> they're in the stars right in now. In the stars <laughs> now, the but stars. what he means is please don't envelop me in that nothingness again because that scared me and I didn't like it and you killed some people well one person that I know of (laughs) so Nagilam leaves Picard goes back to the bridge and Wesley Crusher who has reappeared because the story requires it um, orders (laughs) he is orders Crusher to put them back on the original course um, Riker tells him to steer clear of any holes. <laughs> okay. Um, That's what she said. Oh. <laughs> oh. And off they go to their next adventure. Here's the thing with this episode. I saw what they were trying to do. They were trying to do a horror episode. That's, that's what most of this episode is is they're trying to build the suspense, build the terror, build the horror. But the oh, problem is... horror. For a second, I thought, you, I thought you said Ahura. Yes, this was supposed to be a Ahura episode where Nagilam is actually... <laughs> Nichelle Nichols. <laughs> Nichelle Nichols. Because um, Ahura has advanced past the physical plane and is now... <laughs> she, she's in charge of the universe, people, okay? I mean... She's in charge. She should be. She should I mean, be. she really should be. 
Because so, she was surrounded by idiots. She was. Yeah. She was. So the issue for me with this episode is it didn't go far enough with the horror aspect of it. Oh no, not at um, all. It's like we're gonna go tip our we're gonna dip our toe in. We're gonna see how it goes, but we're not gonna fully commit to it. Which is too bad because they do this a couple more times throughout Next Generation and none of them particularly work except maybe one. Two. I'm going to give it to two. But this one doesn't work. Uh, Nagilum um, comes off as you know, I don't care. Um... And the ship didn't care either because he murdered one of their crew members and that was it. Because they didn't really fight him. They didn't really do anything except just threaten to blow up the ship and then left because he let them. Like, there's just no... There's no follow-through on anything. It's just kind of loose-formed. It's just not entirely put together. The first half had some interesting ideas. It just falls apart at the end because I just don't feel like they knew what they were doing. So for me, this is the very definition of a five. There's nothing wrong with it overall, like overall other than the story issue, but the acting is fine. You know, the effects are good. The music is good. There's just it's just an episode it's a five mel your turn um i liked this episode i actually think they could have gone I don't think that we needed the Pulaski parts and I don't think we needed the, that beginning sequence. I know the beginning sequence ties into Worf and Riker on the fake ship. I get that, but we didn't need that. They could have had that tension without that opening scene. And we could have got more of the Nagilam situation. Um, I liked that all of this other stuff happened before they revealed themselves, the Megillum. I actually enjoyed that. And I do agree that this was supposed to be a horror episode and it didn't, it didn't fulfill its destiny. It didn't fulfill its potential, but it had potential, which a lot of episodes don't. I enjoyed this episode. It made me laugh. Um, it actually had some good tension areas. So I'm not mad at it. I gave it a seven. Works for me, Carrie. Well, didn't work for me. <laughs> I, yeah, 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 yeah. I would give this probably a four. I enjoyed the first like five minutes where you got the Wharf and Riker in the holodeck, um, you know, doing 
corpse thing, sharing a piece of himself with Riker because I feel like he trusts Riker enough and to really truly call him a friend and a friend would go through this thing with him um just as a I, I don't know what it's probably some kind of ritual we we don't really get any clarification on that but um I thought that was a nice little piece for their friendship um throughout the rest of the series and then yeah we didn't really need the Pulaski stuff except the well even when Haskell dies I don't think we even needed Pulaski because everybody's got some basic knowledge of you know medical they could just be like oh check his pulse yeah he did we didn't need her because Troy was already on the bridge he could have done that to Troy spinning around and asking what she was and her construction and everything I mean it's not it's not a like super offensive episode or anything I just felt like it was really boring just for just a couple key things I thought were good like I was mentioning and that's about it for me on this episode I mean, that's the that's the beauty of this is that, um, you know, we we don't always all agree on an episode, but I can understand like we can understand each other's thinking. Yes, Mel. I do want to actually pick up one what Carrie just put down. This I know besides the fact that I hate Pulaski, I know why Pulaski being in this episode felt odd because it felt like she was shoehorned in in yes. a spot that could have been Troy's. Yes. Troy is exactly. already on the bridge. Troy is not necessarily a bridge officer, but she is on the bridge a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. There, and she was on the bridge during this time. So there was no reason for Pulaski to be there just for this part of the story to be told when Mm -hmm. they could have fully used Troy. Or if Tasha was still alive, they could have used Tasha. They could have used Tasha. And so this is one of those times where you're like, they're shoehorning this character into this story just so that this character gets time because this is an actress that Jean brought in. When you, it should be going to the actress that's been there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. And it doesn't make any sense. Like story, story-wise line, story-wise, it doesn't make any sense for Pulaski to be on the bridge. And the, the thing that also annoyed me is Pulaski comes onto the bridge Picard asks her if she's aware of what's going on. She's like, yeah, but I don't really understand. Like, she didn't understand. She was told what was happening, but she didn't understand it because she didn't see it. So she didn't really fully, couldn't fully process it, which I understand because I'm the same way. I'm a visual person. But then she looks at Picard and she was, she's like, well, this is not really what I do or something to that effect. And he totally walks away from her and then lets her just give orders on the bridge 
for no reason. In, in a situation where basically they had already done everything that she was doing. So it makes no sense for her. There was no logical reason for her to be, there was no storyline reason for her to be on the bridge. You're telling me that she couldn't um, get some kind of picture while she was sitting in medical of what they were looking at on the view screen? I'm sure that's possible. She is one of the highest ranking people on the ship. I'm sure she could have gotten some kind of screen, mirror screen or view of what they were looking at. She didn't need to go all the way to the bridge. So that's just another slight against this character for me. She doesn't need to be shoehorned in. No other female character was ever shoehorned in. That's why, that's why one of them left she couldn't get any anything okay i'm done i don't disagree with any of that and i i really hadn't thought about it until carrie you just said it and it's just like mm -hmm. yeah she doesn't need she doesn't serve a purpose in this episode there's no reason for her to be here you know she's she's just kind of there and it just doesn't work um but yeah so that's where silence has lease. Be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the next amazing episode in our in our journey. I don't know what it is off the top of my head because I've forgotten. To write Elementary it down. Dear Data. Yes. It Elementary is a data Dear code. Data. Which it's means everyone, our favorite male will be hosting next week to bring mm -hmm. us through Data's amazing journey. So tune in next week, and until then, keep your hailing frequencies open. Bye.